0: Welcome to the Orange You Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Slayton. In this podcast, we cover multiple topics in regard to health and fitness. I also bring you guest speakers who are professionals in the industry to bring you insight from their field. In this episode, I chat with and introduce you to Julie Murphy Agnew, who is the owner of Lifecycle Health and Wellbeing and a newly published author. Julie helps her clients by offering many different programs to help her clients manage all aspects of their health, ranging from stress, sleep, nutrition, and daily movement. We also answer some common questions we get asked often about nutrition. But before we hop into the episode, here's a quick message from our sponsor. Is your nutrition preventing you from reaching your goals? Do you enjoy eating healthy, but don't enjoy or have the time for all the prep work? If so, then I highly recommend checking out Lean Feast. Lean Feast is the premier meal prep service in the Madison area. They take out all the guesswork and provide you with quick, healthy meals on your schedule. The best part, you get to choose what goes into your meal and how many you purchase. Let's say you struggle with eating healthy lunches during the work week. Then you could go there, purchase five lunches and eliminate that struggle. The meals take three minutes to warm up via microwave or stovetop, and then they are ready to eat. Season with your favorite spices to add your own little flair. Gone are the days of running to the drive-thru or skipping meals altogether because you failed to plan. Head over to Lean Feast today and use promo code OSPODCAST for 10% off every order. You will not regret this decision. Hey, Julie, welcome to the Orange Shoe podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you. It's always fun talking to other people that are passionate about health and wellness, but you also have an amazing like backstory on kind of how you found what you're currently doing right now. And everyone right now obviously has like their kind of COVID story and you kind of got that and how that spurred what you're currently doing. And also you got your ties with orange shoe as well with your husband being a a client at orange shoe and you're really good friends with one of the owners of orange shoe lauren Mm -hmm. so um, welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having me. I am located in Madison, Wisconsin, and I live here with my husband and our two-year-old daughter. And I actually grew up in River Falls, Wisconsin, attended UW-Madison for undergrad. Then I lived in Chicago for a year, lived in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. And then my husband and I moved back to Madison in 2007. So it's really been home for us for quite a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to read something off your like your website. It's your kind of about me section. And I I, I love this because this is kind of like all things will kind of you know, tap into today and talk about is. You kind of explained yourself about me. I am a wife, a mom, a solopreneur, an author, a creator, a traveler, a triathlete, hot yogi, go-getter, Madisonian, Wisconsin Badgers. So I love yeah. that. You're so well-rounded. You got so many great things we could chat about. I feel like I could talk with you for hours, um, but we'll try, oh, <laughs> we'll try to keep it. We'll try to keep it within like 45 minutes here today because um, I could talk forever. But I, I know some clients are like, you know what, Tom, if you kept those podcasts a little bit shorter, I'd be able to listen to them on my drive. I'm like, all right, all right I, I hear you. I'll try to not talk too much. So let's go ahead and start off with, um, talking a little bit about, you know, that author portion of your bio, you know, and not too many people get to call themselves authors. So I think it's really cool. And this, um, so tell us a little bit about the book that is going to be coming out shortly and it is called in it together and just kind of tell me how that started and how that idea came about.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for wanting to chat about it. Um, it is actually 100% published now. Um, I started the process back in June 2020, and it finally became published in 2022. So it was a little bit of a process. But um, as we all know, we were all experiencing um, different activities and emotions and learning experiences in 2020. And Also, during that time, we were spending a lot of time with people in our homes. For me, it was my husband and my daughter. At the time, she was under a year old, and we were reading to her all the time. She still loves to read all the time. But there was one day when I was reading, I'm like, you know, if these people can write a book, I wonder if I can write a book, and I'm wondering if I could write a book about everything that's going on right now. So remember, like this was June 2020. So I started the process then I started like the story then and as we know, things continue to happen in our world. And so the story just completely morphed. And um, it touches on everything that children and families were doing during like the stay at home time, it touches on everything that was brought up and learned um, in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement. And then it touches on the election and politics because that was important as well. And it kind of leaves the reader with a very hopeful message. So um, it's full of so so many fun images. Um, It's a rhyming book. I never expected it to be like over 80 pages, but it's over 80 pages. So um, yeah, I've just put so much time and energy into it. And it's just really, it's exciting to actually hold it now.
0: I bet. I bet. That's really cool. And yeah, with that, you. you know, you're telling all these stories. And I was reading some backstory and how you kind of gathered all your information for the book. And you just reached out to a bunch of friends, right? And said, share yeah. photos with me, tell me what you guys are doing at home. Like just give me as much information about your experience with, yes. you know, the beginning of COVID and the safer at home and all that stuff. So, you know, did you get a really good response from friends that helped you write this book?
1: You know, I would have to go back and see like what percentage of people actually responded. Um, mm-hmm. but the people that Um, provided their experiences and um, then I followed up and asked for images of certain um, activities they were doing. My gosh, people, um, friends and family got so into it and I am just like so, so thankful for what they shared. And then I actually, um, when it was in relation to certain messages I wanted to send, I went around Madison and I took pictures of certain murals um, like on the boarded up glass fronts. Um, I took images of like yard signs um, because I think we all started seeing different messages being sent out in relation to Black Lives Matter and the election and everything and COVID in general, you know, wearing masks. Um, So it was just like really fun to pull together everyone's experiences everything they shared and then, um, putting in some of my own work too. And then, um, to make it a little bit more playful, I applied, uh, like a caricature filter to pictures. So it's even though like some of the topics are really hard and heavy, um, it's also presented in kind of a lighter fashion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I think we all can agree there were certain vocabulary words that we probably had never really used or used to that extent before. So actually in the back of the book, I included like a two page glossary of words I use in the book, but also to help people learn a little bit more, or we can look back in 20 years and be like, oh, right. That was something we discussed all the time, or that was brought up because of this happening. So um, yeah, a lot of it, I just kind of pulled together because of what I wanted to remember and what I wanted to to include. But I think it's um, like a really good compilation for anybody that wants to look back on the year.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. We got some people that are like, I want to look back on that. And then there's some people like, I never want to go back to that time ever again. I wish (laughs) I could just like wipe my mind clear of whatever happened in those like two year timeframe and just move on. And so that book you said is published. People can order it right now.
1: Yes. 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 I have um, it's available on my website and it's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And um, I'm currently working with a whole handful of local bookstores in Madison to get it in their shops as well. So I'm hopefully hopeful that um, people will want to support local if they decide to purchase it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure I um, put a link to your website so everyone could have access to that. And then um, yeah, the name of the book is in it together and yeah, that'd be awesome Mm -hmm. for uh, people to support you. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to check it out myself and I would love to go, like you said, buy it from a a local bookstore. So I'm excited for that. So now we're going to kind of go into, you know, why we have you mainly on the podcast is to talk about your business called life cycle health and wellbeing. And so while, you know, everyone during COVID had their different experiences and a lot of people lost their jobs during that, that time. And for some people, it was very scary time in their lives where they lost their job that they had been at for over 10 years. And they're like, Holy cow, what am I going to do now? And for you, you actually thank COVID for (laughs) you losing your job that you had been at for over 13 years. So kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, that experience um with you losing your job, but then how you turned it into something of a positive for you to be like, I'm gonna chase a different passion of mine with being that being life cycle health and well-being.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um yeah, like you mentioned, um, I lost my job. I was initially furloughed in March 2020, then officially lost it in June 2020. Um and It was at a company that I had been at for like 13 and a half years, but I had been in the industry since 2004. Um, But on top of my full-time career position there, I was also the regional well-being champion at my company for like over five years. And that role completely fueled something in my heart. And I just enjoyed so much of that role. So when I lost my job, I really thought about like what is my purpose here and I asked myself if I could create my own type of offering in the well-being industry and after um, a lot of thought and a lot of reflection it turned out that I could create something so after earning a couple certificates um, one being a health and well-being certificate and then one being a nutrition certification um, I offic- I officially launched lifecycle health and well-being um, like January 1st, 2021, even though I had um, a lot of buildup to that in 2020. And I think the best part of everything that I created and that I'm doing right now is that I really, really enjoy it. And I feel like I'm totally aligned with what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be serving. And really like no work actually feels like work Mm -hmm. But I will say there are a couple other parts to that too. I, um, when it comes to like the nutrition side, I, I can go back to like when I was in first grade, I was like diagnosed with eczema and it was one dermatology appointment after another for decades to try to cure this skin issue. And fast forward to when I was like 32 years old. Um, And after so much like personal research, I decided to cut out gluten completely to see if it would make any difference. And almost immediately, it did like, within a week, I could see a difference. So adopting that gluten free lifestyle completely spiraled into what is now I consider a mainly near paleo diet. And that's all due to trial and error, figuring out what works best for me as an individual, fully knowing that what works for somebody else might not work for me and vice versa. But from a nutrition side of things, I just want to help people determine what nutrition approach works best for them, because I think it's just so important, even if it takes years to figure that out or so much trial and error with certain foods or certain triggers. I just think it's so important to learn how to fuel yourself properly for your being your best self, whatever that means, um, daily activities, certain races, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's another part to it too, in, and that's related to me being an endurance athlete. Um, I became a, like a true endurance athlete in 2009, and that's when I raced my first Ironman. And at that time, I really had like no idea, really, what to consume or to what I was doing from a nutrition standpoint. So then, nearly 10 years later, um, I decided to race Ironman 2021 again, and um i did i raced it and leading up to that though i thought who could help with this nutrition detail that is just like it it i could never figure out how to feel my best when race or, um when training and performing and i was just thinking like who could help with this and i thought well maybe that's me so um, i raced my third ironman this past september and i have never felt the way I did during training and racing as I did this past year. And I know it's because my nutrition was so dialed in. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I love how you, um, talked about, you know, how you said that it's finding the nutrition or the way of eating that works best for you. Mm
2: -hmm. And that is
0: so true because there, there are so many different ways to eat, right? There's so many different diets out there. There's so many different people telling you how you should eat. And there is no one size fits all. It's just finding the one that one best, you know, works for you and like makes you feel the best, but also the one that you plan on doing consistently and not kind of hopping around. And I, I just love that. Like it is so much to do with how you, how you feel. And, and I always tell people like, sometimes you got to, like you did, you got to do some trial and error. You, you got to mm-hmm. eliminate the gluten and see if that changes anything. And for sometimes people are like, no, that didn't really make any difference. Okay. Well, now let's try to eliminate the dairy. How does that feel? You know, you try to you know, eliminate those inflammatories, those those foods that we all know kind of lead to some of the the issues that some people run into. And I think that's a big thing is, you know, getting away from thinking like, oh, you know, I just love my milk so much. I can never get rid of it. But you may not realize that that milk is the thing that's like causing you the most like issues when it comes to your gut health. And so it's not saying that you ever have to completely eliminate something, but you might have to like trial and error and eliminate something for a little bit just to realize like, wow. I feel a lot better. And with you at gluten, especially back in like, I think when you were in first grade, I don't think the whole gluten thing was really, you know, no one was really talking about it. No. So like your doctors weren't even thinking gluten, they weren't even t- trying to even think about eliminating that from your diet. And so that was awesome that you kind of, um, you know, thought about that yourself and did it and then voila. So that's, that's yeah. Really
1: cool. Yeah. To your comment, you know, it wasn't really a topic then, um, after I was having such success with, controlling my eczema after I cut gluten out. (laughs) I remember my mom saying, I'm so sorry. We never knew about this. I'm like, mom, no one did. Like it wasn't discussed. You can't know know
0: what you, you you don't know what you don't know.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: So let's go into a little bit of, of what you do at Lifecycle Health and Wellbeing and kind of what someone can expect when they're working with you. So I'm going to go ahead and list a couple of the programs that you offer, and then you could kind of touch base on some of them, all of them, or kind of like maybe the gist of the, the, all the programs in general. So you have your main program, which is called your Root and Bloom program. Um, You have your stress management kit, which sounds amazing, Mm -hmm. um, which is another factor of health and wellness that is often overlooked is managing stress and how being very, very stressed out can actually be causing a lot of um, internal issues um, that may not be helping your weight loss journey. If that's something that's important to you, Um, you also do one-on-one coaching with people Mm -hmm. and you also have an eight week nutrition coaching program. So kind of talk to about, talk to us a little bit about those programs and what someone can expect when they say, Hey, Julie, I want to work with you.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Root and Bloom is my like first signature program. And I just really love it so much because it's like totally all encompassing. It is designed to be completed in 21 days, but it is completely self paced. So a person can take as little or as long as they need it to complete it. And the program is just so robust. It has over 65 lessons that focus on stress management, fostering habits that serve, Sleep, nutrition, movement, and mindfulness. And there are, there's also like a 21 day guided workbook with a word of the day and a journal prompt for those days. And then participants also receive like a daily affirmation every single morning to be paired with that workbook. So I like to start these programs um, on the first of the month. So the next session of Root and Bloom would. Um, start on March 1st, but it starts the first of every month, mainly because that's the easiest, like if you truly do it in 21 days, it's super easy to keep track of what day you're on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as it, um, when you mentioned the stress management kit, the stress management kit that I offer is actually pulled directly from root and bloom. So there are there's like the stress management module, um, the fostering habits that serve module sleep, nutrition, movement, and mindfulness. And so I don't know, late in 2021, there was actually a handful of people that approached me asking specifically for help with their stress. And I was able to offer something so easily and so quickly by just pulling that entire stress management module out of root and bloom. And it was just like a perfect solution. So I can pull out any module. Um, I just have the stress management kit highlighted now because it was specifically requested, and I know a lot of that had to do with um, the school setting and holidays coming up, and um just like certain stresses that come around um, at that time of year. And I, yeah, if anyone wants just specific kits with, uh, what I um, provide in Root and Bloom, it can totally pulled, be pulled out. But I will say that Root and Bloom is so all-encompassing that, as we know, our well-being parts of us work so fluidly together that it's sometimes somebody thinks they need to focus on sleep, but and they may need to focus on sleep, but maybe they're poor sleep is due to something they're consuming. So it all, you know, really ties together. Mm-hmm. So as far as one-on-one coaching, I can, or I do work with individuals for specific topics, whether it's nutrition or not, but the most common reason I work one-on-one is because of new nutrition, the nutrition factor. And the one-on-one nutrition clients are so fun because we dive into a lot of personal details. Um, We develop a relationship, we develop a plan, and we start with a one-on-one consultation to review history, certain aspects of their overall well-being, certain habits, and of course, goals. Um, From there, we put together a plan that aligns really well with our conversation and what they um, hope to accomplish. And then we get them into a place that they wanna feel better. And for most people, this ultimately comes down to just feeling more confident and just having a better mindset. And um, with that, you know, that's in part due to um, different uh, approaches to their nutrition, different responsibilities, different decisions and it's funny because, you know, ultimately your clothes fit better when everything is (laughs) working well. most My most popular coaching plan is eight weeks because it is a really good amount of time to work together to adjust a plan that's needed, and then um, we reevaluate at that point to see how we want to move forward. But during that time, we hold check-in calls. I provide a weekly topic that's related to nutrition. We set certain dates to check metrics, and then I provide any other additional information that might be requested um, yeah. And oftentimes these nutrition clients actually take advantage of my other offerings because mm-hmm. um, well-being is just so intertwined.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love how your the majority of your programs are, you know, you have the the one-off programs that are specifically mm-hmm. maybe focusing on nutrition or stress, but at the end of the day, your, your overall story or message is that health is not just one of these. It's right. all of these. Right. And someone, yeah, they might start with one and let's master one. And then let's focus on another, which is a great approach. And I love how your root and bloom has a 21 day guided workbook instead of just, here's all this information, figure it out. Now yeah. someone's like, that's just over stimulus. They're going to try to fix everything at once. When we all know that like great habit forming starts with one thing at a time and, you know, get really good at that one thing. And now let's try to fix something else and, and work on something else. So yeah. And nutrition, like you said, is definitely one of the most common things we get approached with too. You know, when someone comes mm-hmm. to orange shoe and they obviously they want to increase their caloric expenditure, they want to gain strength and they want to move their bodies and work out. But they also are like, we all know that we can't out train a bad diet. And most people are like, I need to lose some weight. And that is 100% the nutrition side of things. And so um, I could definitely see why that's you know pretty um, popular with you as well. And what are some of the, you know, from your experience working with people, what are some of the common things that pe- you see people are running into? Like some of the common faults people are making with either nutrition or stress management or the things that, you know, somebody listening to right now can just be like, if there was like one thing for each one of those that they could just start doing right now, that would just get them moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I guess like, um, from a nutrition standpoint, I think it's important for everyone to even like take three days and just write down what you're eating. Don't change anything about what you're doing, but just track what you're consuming, just to know where you're at, because you could be consuming way too much of something and not enough. So you could feel completely fatigued or you might not be recovering well, um, from like an athlete standpoint, I know a lot of people that don't get enough protein, and mm-hmm. protein is that's just like so everybody. vital. Yeah, it's so vital for recovery. And I think from my personal journey, like leading up to Ironman last year, it was the first like huge block of a training cycle that I actually focused on protein. And I know that's like <laughs> it was game changer. Um, so I think yeah, just tracking, seeing where you're at, and then um, seeing where like manipulations and tweaks might need to be made to make sure you're fueling yourself well. And I think ultimately people don't wanna track food forever. So once somebody starts with a plan um, and you get it to a very successful point, I think intuitive eating is just really key to listen to your body. But say like your plan calls for 2000 calories a day and you're still hungry. Then eat, like
2: Mm -hmm.
1: just listen to your body. Um, I think another thing, especially now, well, summer and winter, I think hydration is good for different reasons, but right now it's dry and we're also not sweating and people aren't realizing that we still need a very large amount of water to make everything run smoothly in our system, whether that's um, your GI system, your track, your workouts. Um, so I think another thing is just to really pay attention to um, water consumption. A really easy tool is just taking your weight, dividing it by two, and that's your um, guide. It, so divide, say you weigh hundred pounds, divide it by two, you have 50. So that's 50 ounces of water a day. But I would say like, Consume that on top of whatever you might be consuming during any type of sweaty workout or any workout. Um, so just being mindful of your hydration. Um, from I, this goes in. This is a, a recommendation from a number of different avenues of well-being. But um, so many of us find ourselves um, on our phone late at night um, or right away in the morning. And I would just recommend that you block some time out either in the morning or before bed where you're tech free. I think it's very, it can be so taxing on our brains and our eyes and everything, but we really don't realize like the impact it has. So even if it means like setting your phone away an hour before bed or not looking at your phone until you're ready for the day. Maybe that's an hour after you get up, but just being mindful of how much stimulation is coming in. And sometimes if you grab your phone first thing in the morning and you open up an email, that <laughs> can be stress. And that's like the first thing you're experiencing in the day. And Guilty as charged. <laughs> We've I think all we got all, it. We all are. Yeah. yeah. But you, you don't, like, I feel like sometimes you have to step back and be like, okay, I just did that to myself. Like, I chose to look at my email and now I'm stressed about it, where if you set yourself up with a good morning routine and then check to the email, I think um, we all might find ourselves in a little calmer place. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I love that, Joey. you, you like are speaking my language here with everything you just said <laughs> from nutrition to the stress management. Um, and it's funny because nothing that you said is some big fancy thing you're going to see on Instagram, right. you know? And I think we all, we live in this culture where we're chasing the big fancy diet, the big fancy thing that you see on Instagram, the big fancy way to debunk stress Buy this thing, put it on your head. It's going to shock you every time, you know, like something that you want, the big fancy stuff. And health and wellness is, is just doing the not fancy stuff day in and day out. And you're going to be as healthy as you want to be. And I love the, you know, the water intake is huge. The, you know, making sure that the protein intake is high, the stress management. Like um, we have a podcast um, a few episodes back, maybe four or five episodes back now where I, I talk about sleep and how, you know, yeah, the, the, the cell phone, the lights, the, there's mm-hmm. so many things that will factor into your sleep that now, not only are we stressed, but we're not sleeping well. And when we're not sleeping well, man, that sleep is like so important it could, it could affect everything. Right. So it it just ties, everything just ties into each other. And so Mm -hmm. everything you just hit on there is just like so spot on. So um, we're going to go into a little bit of like some common nutrition questions that you get all the time that you just want to debunk right now once (laughs) and for all, right? There's like these questions that we all get as fitness professionals where like you get these same questions all the time and you're like, man, where are we going wrong? Like, why? how do people not know this? Like, why are <laughs> we still struggling with understanding X, Y, and Z? And so do you have any of those burning questions that just always pop up that you get? Um, and then I also have a list of some of the ones that I get. So we'll just go ahead and start with any, maybe the ones that you get all the time that you're just like, oh, let's just, let's put an end to this right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think like the first one that comes to mind is alcohol consumption. People always ask like what they can and cannot be consuming from an alcohol standpoint. It's personal. Um, and this is where I discuss certain habits with individuals um, or look at what they're actually consuming from an alcohol standpoint. But I think it, I, we've all heard it, all in moderation, right? So um, another another reason just to listen to your body. And you also have to think to, say you know a glass of wine causes you to feel a certain way the next day and you have something important the next day, whether it's a presentation or um, a specific workout routine and you don't necessarily wanna feel that way, you just kind of have to think, is it worth my time and energy to consume it? Um, So again, super personal. Let's see. Another one just came to mind and now I can't remember what I was thinking. You know, talking um, about
0: the alcohol thing, I always tell people like use this mantra of like, what would my future self thank me for? Yes. I love that because, you know, I don't know how many times we went back when everybody was back in the offices and working in their office, you know, there was always that treat in the break room that somebody would bring in the box of donuts or whatever. And it's so hard to say no. And you eat those two donuts, but then six hours later, six hours, six hours later, you're kicking yourself. Like, I really wish I went to have those donuts. I feel like crap right now. So I always love that that mantra of just like anytime you're about to do something that you're like, ah, I don't know. Just ask yourself, what would my future self thank me for? And that's usually going to lead you to
2: your answer.
1: Yes, yes. Um, another big one is weight. Um, using the scale as a metric, um, mm, I think I love that. I think a lot of us grew up, and maybe people still use, you know, the scale as a guide. Like we, I grew up as the scale being like the true guide. Like if you weigh this amount, you're healthy. Um, I like to, of course I use weight to figure out some numbers, but I like to use measurements instead because somebody who is super strong might be 125 pounds or they might be 165 pounds or 200 and 205 pounds. Like, Strong is so relative when it comes to the individual. And so when we can see our body composition change as we get stronger and leaner, um, the scale might not shift as much, but we can see the change when we take measurements instead. And I, like a lot of my, clients are like I just want these specific pair of pants to fit well the measurements will tell you if they're going to fit or not you don't have to jump on the scale Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think you know people are tied to the number so if we can kind of shift the the number being a different number a different way to approach some metrics I think that's um that's kind of key to but yes the a big one that always comes to, comes to me is
0: weight. Yeah. The scale is like, one are those things that we all grew up with having a very emotional trigger attachment to the scale? It's either, like you said, yes, I'm healthy. No, I'm not healthy. And right. I think it's getting to that point and understanding who you are as a person. Like, is the scale very emotionally triggering to me? And if so, you might just have to put that bad boy away or throw it away and not even have yep. that emotional trigger because There'll be so many times where I work with clients that are just killing it in the gym. They're doing really, really good. Their, their workouts are improving. They're getting stronger. Their cardiovascular health is better. They have more confidence and they're, they, they're experiencing all these positives. And then all of a sudden, four weeks in, they're like, oh, I want to step on the scale because I feel like I've been doing great. That number should be lower. Or they have this like idea that the number should be down at least 10 or down at least 15. And then they step on the scale and the, in the scale might be down three or two. And now for whatever reason, that number trumps everything that they have experienced as a positive,
2: mm-hmm. that,
0: that scale now is the end all be all that number now is telling them that they are failing, that everything that they thought were, they were doing right. They're doing wrong. And it's a very emotionally triggered thing. And so I always tell people like put that scale away or start to develop the relationship of using it as a, like you said, a metric. It's just the number. It's just a unit of measurement and it could utilize us to like it, to help us guide us in where we're going. But I always say, if it's a very emotional thing for you um, and you can't disconnect that from the scale, then yeah, you might just have to get rid of it and just know that what you're doing on your daily basis, like if you're continually doing the right things every single day, The weight loss will happen. It's probably not going to happen at the rate in which you want it to, or it's not going to happen in the area of the body that you want it to. I think it's always kind of funny, like where people are like, I want my belly fat to go away and let's do more crunches, Tom. And I'm like, I can't trigger point where we lose our weight. And where we lose our weight, the place where we want to lose it the most is probably going to be the place where we lose it the last and everyone's, you know, so someone's like, I really want my neck to be skinnier. Well, they're going to lose all the weight in their belly and their butt and their legs, but the neck is going to be the last thing. And, you know, it's just funny how that works, but it's just understanding that weight loss isn't going to happen in massive chunks all the time. You might lose three pounds one week, and then you might gain one the next and then lose five and then gain four. And as long as if you spread that out over three, six months, as long as that trajectory is still moving in a down downward angle, you're good to go and stop, stop necessarily worrying necessarily about what that scale is, because there are body weight set points. You know, our body does, depending on what our current habits are, our body's going to stay right around a specific weight. And for me, that's my way. I know Kelly, my wife, her body weight is the same like that. Like the last five or six years, she's just hanging out within like a two or three pound range. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't changed anything with her habits. So why can you expect to change anything with the scale? And so it's just, we, sometimes we, our bodies fall into a set point and that's okay. It doesn't mean that we're not healthy. Um, like I always, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast where I'm actually considered obese and my doctor tells me I need to work out more and eat healthier because my body weight, um, is above that whole BMI thing. And it, it's, you know, it's such a joke. But that doesn't mean that I'm not healthy. Yeah, I'm considered obese on my BMI, but there's by no means that am I unhealthy. And Mm -hmm. so it's just like disconnecting that emotion from the scale and really knowing that utilizing it as a metric is huge. So here are a couple of the other questions I get all the time is, Hey, Julie, how many calories should I eat? What do you approach? Because I think people think it's like kind of like the one size fits all. Like they just want a number. And, but there, we both know there are so many underlying things we need to know about that person. And there's so many different calculations. There's so much information going into that calorie number. How do you usually approach that question?
1: Again, super personal. Um, I think labels on foods can be, um, helpful and harmful at the same time, because we look at it, you know, and said based on a 2000 calorie diet. So people just assume like their calorie intake should be 2000 calories a day. I can tell you this past summer leading up to Ironman, I was over 3000 calories in most days. And I didn't even like think twice about it because I needed it. So I think it, yeah, the calories are tricky because we take into account everything from activity level and, um, you could be, um, a pregnant or nursing mom, like, um, your composition from like height, weight, um, even what your goals are. So are you trying to maintain? Are you trying to lose? Are you actually trying to bulk up? So calories are super personal. Um, People have guidelines, like people can find a guideline anywhere, but I think that's the beauty of working with somebody who has a little bit more knowledge on how to create a plan that's specific to you. That's where like the benefit comes in to know exactly your calorie intake. And then you also know exactly how many macros you should be eating from like a fat, protein, carb standpoint, and really tweaking those numbers. So they're, they're working in your favor.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the calorie thing I always tell clients, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's very personal. There's no one size fits all. And there are so many underlying things that we need to know, like your basal metabolic rate, Mm -hmm. um, how much lead muscle mass you have utilizing a piece of equipment, like an in-body scanner or a DEXA scan to really understand your body composition. um, Like you said, your goals. Um, And then a lot of people are like, Tom, there's so many calculators online You know, so many different ones. Why are there so many different calculators? And I'm like, well, you know, there's so many different calculators, but just think like, if you would ask 10 chefs, like, what's the best way to cook? You're probably going to get 10 different answers. If you ask 10 accountants, what's the best way I should do my taxes every year? You're probably going to get 10 different answers. Doesn't mean that any one of those are wrong. It just means it's a way. And it's really going to come down to which one do you do consistently. You know, what approach do you do consistently or are you hopping back and forth and now you're not going to see the results. And so, yeah, calories are very personal. And I I think it's a big trial and error thing.
2: Oh, like you said,
0: starting back with, we have to track, we can't optimize something that we have zero data on. You know, a lot of times clients will come to me and like, Tom, I want to lose weight X, Y, and Z. And and the first thing we say at Orange Shoe is track your food for me for a week, write down everything. If it's 14 Oreos, give it to me. I don't care. I can't help you unless I know exactly what kind of your consistent week looks like. Um, We got to know the data. And then once we know the data, let's say that you're consistently eating 3000 calories in a day. Well, now let's try 2,500. And if we do 2,500 a day and you start seeing weight loss awesome. And now let's say, how's your energy level at 2,500 Tom? I feel great. Awesome. Let's Mm -hmm. just stick to 2,500 for a while and see what happens. You're probably going to plateau out. And then the next thing you know, 2,500 might be your maintenance calories. Well, now 2500 used to be a weight loss calorie for you, but now 2500 is maintenance, and now you're like, "Tom, I'm not losing any weight anymore. What happened? I I was so excited." Well, now we need to dabble with maybe 2200 calories because now your activity level's gone up. Blah 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 blah. And so yeah, it's a constantly ever changing thing, depending on phases of life, you know, caloric expenditure and activity level, hormones. You know, like, yeah, like you said, if a mother is nursing or pregnant, there are so many factors that go into it. So please, anybody listening to this, do not fall into the whole like one size fits all or just because your best friend is eating 2200 calories and she's losing weight doesn't mean that 2200 calories is going to suit you um, like it's suiting her. So, yes, calories are who knows, right? (laughs) It's a who knows game.
1: I do want to say too, that some people think cutting calories will help you lose weight. And yes, cutting calories will help you lose weight. But if you get your calorie intake too low, your body is going to start protecting what it has. So it's not going to release any weight because you're not fueling it well. So it's going to say, okay, I need to protect what you're putting in me right now, because I don't know what's going to happen. And so sometimes people actually see weight loss happen when they start increasing their caloric intake, because your body's working how it should versus Mm -hmm. in like a protective mechanism. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It's like the whole idea too. like, people have that false belief that like eating, someone told me if I eat too little, I'll gain weight. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But like, that'd be like someone telling you, Hey, you need to eat more to lose weight. And like, you know, if I eat 5,000 calories, you're going to lose weight. It's like, no, it's like your body, like you say, kind of goes into a protective, like you can do harm to metabolism. That's why those like big crash diets where you have to eat a thousand calories a day or 750, they, people will lose weight, obviously. Like you're not giving your body anything to fuel off of, but at the end of the day, you're going to lose a lot of muscle mass. Because your body's going to start eating your lean muscle, it's going to start metabolizing the lean muscle in your body to give it the protein, the things, the energy that it needs to sustain life. And so next time you step on that DEXA scan, you're like, oh, I lost 15 pounds of body fat but I also lost 22 pounds of lean muscle mass. And that is never something we want to experience. You never want to, you guys work so hard to develop (laughs) that lean muscle mass. Don't just let it go away because you decided to do a really crazy caloric deficit um, because that will definitely not. um, And the long, yeah, you'll lose weight. But in the long term, you're actually doing more more harm than you are good um, when you do those super low caloric deficits. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not. Definitely not the way to go. What do you tell somebody who says, like, hey, Julie, I got to be I travel a lot for work. How do I eat healthy when traveling?
1: The Biggest thing is plan. Um, there are so many different ways that you can incorporate. Um, Foods on the go that don't require refrigeration. You can seek out maybe if you know where your hotel or your Airbnb is located, where some grocery stores are. Put together a list of food that you'll purchase right when you get there. I think the biggest thing is to plan.
0: Spot on, spot on. Like I don't even think there's even much more to say with that. It's yeah. <laughs> planning ahead and and knowing knowing those things that you could get out of, in a pinch. And mm-hmm. uh, your local grocery store, wherever you're at, is going to be your best friend, not the fast yep. food places. Yep. Um, Julie, I'm eating healthy, but I'm not losing any weight. What's going on?
1: You know, Tom, I don't know. Let's chat. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is we'll, we would need to track exactly, check in exactly what you're eating um, and see if you caloric intake is appropriate. If your macronutrients are appropriate to you, what your lifestyle currently is. Um, if you're incorporating any movement, um, lots of factors to cover when it comes to that type of struggle, but, um, there's always, there's always a way to figure out how to go forward.
0: Great answer. Um, because I always like, I always ask people what's healthy. Yeah. What is right. healthy? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> what does that mean it, to you? Yeah. Like eating healthier for somebody could be five beers instead of 15. And then they're still <laughs> eating Oreos and Ben and Jerry's like, so what, what is healthy? And then I always like to kind of throw this at too. is like healthy, like, yeah, healthier. There are definitely healthier foods. Like no one's going to argue that a Snickers bar and an apple, no one's going to argue that the apple is healthier than the Snickers bar, right? Like mm-hmm. there are just more vitamins and minerals and it's just overall healthier for you. But at the end of the day, a calorie is a calorie. Right, like it's a unit of measurement. So, like there are people that I know that are like bodybuilders and stuff that track their macros like crazy. But you see what they eat? They're like eating pizza and donuts, and they're like, "Well, I still have like X amount of macros to get. I can eat whatever I want because they're utilizing just the units of measurement. They're not necessarily worrying about the health profile or like the nutrient profile of that food right. because they know they need to know their macros. The macros are what are important to them. So they're like, "I need to have 60 carbs." sweet, I could eat this donut because it's 45 carbs. Perfect. It fits in my 60 carbs. They're not worried about the sugar content or anything like that because they know that the macronutrients only have so many calories per, you know, macronutrient, things like that. And so they're solely focused on just the unit of measurement. And so I always tell people you could be eating healthy and eating 5,000 calories a day, but just because you're eating healthy doesn't mean that you're going to lose weight. You're still eating 5,000 calories a day. That 5,000 calories a day could be kale, apples, and salmon. But if you're eating 5,000 calories of Snickers bars, Ho-Hos, and Ben and Jerry's, you're still eating 5,000 calories each way. Mm -hmm. Is one way healthier than the other? Absolutely. But it's still 5,000 calories. So like your answer is like, there's a lot that goes into eating healthy. And just because you think you're eating healthier, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to experience that weight loss. Right. How long will I have to do this diet thing to get my goal?
1: That's a that's a funny one, Um, because nothing ever should be considered short term. It's incorporating choices and um, ways of life into your lifestyle. So, like going back to my comment about how now, like I live a pretty eat consume a pretty paleo diet. And I use diet loosely. I use like, you should use the word diet as like the food you're consuming. Not so much like a time frame of the food you should be consuming um, or weight
0: loss. I think sometimes the word diet yeah. assumes that you're losing yes. weight and it's like, no, yeah. your diet is just what you eat. Not whether yeah. your goal is to gain, maintain or lose.
1: Yeah. It's how you're fueling yourself. So It's, yeah, I think when, how long should I be doing this is um, you have to look at it from a personal standpoint at what, what's our goal and like, how can you sustain this until after we're, after we reach a certain point, whether it's you reach a goal, um, you know, our eight weeks is done with each other, but it, Everything needs to be sustainable in a healthy way. So nothing should. And I think that's, you know, the whole yo-yo dieting thing. Okay. If I do this for six weeks, I'll lose weight. And then you stop doing it and you gain weight (laughs) again. That's, it wasn't sustainable.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that sustainable word because a lot of times, like you said, we will try to do something for a quick fix. Like keto Mm -hmm. got really popular because of that. I'm just going to go keto. I'll lose 20 before spring break. I don't like doing keto, but I know it'll get me my result. As soon as keto's done, I'm be like, sweet, I'm not keto anymore. And then they put the weight back on. And I always like kind of tell people that if this is not a way of eating and what you see yourself doing for the long term, mm-hmm. then it's probably not the not the way for you. You know, it's kind of us getting back to when we first kind of started chatting, is just like you gotta find what's you know, find what's gonna be right for you. And it's not the short term, it's the long term. And the fitness game or the health game is not a short-term thing. It's the rest of your life thing. Mm -hmm. And so we got to find things that we can sustain for the rest of our lives that bring us joy and that we can see ourselves doing for that, that, that however long life is for you. So yeah, it's definitely not a short-term thing at all.
1: Yeah. And to your joy factor, I was going to say too, that it needs to be fun. Like you have yeah. to make sure like you're having fun with it. Right. Yeah.
0: I love, I love ice cream and donuts and cake. Like life is way too short for me to like go cold Turkey and just cut that stuff out of my life. Yeah. But like you said before, it's just about moderation and, and mm-hmm. knowing, you know, knowing when you could have it and utilizing that stuff as like rewards for doing really well, you know, like oh, on Friday night, mm-hmm. I'll have my glass of wine or on Friday night, I'll go to, you know, Cold Stone and get that one scoop, you know, get my favorite ice cream or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really good way of kind of approaching that stuff that you don't want to cut out, but you, um, you know, you need to moderate it. Like the whole idea of these are sometimes foods and these are all the time foods, you know, the, all the time foods, the kales and the lean meats and the nuts and the fruits and veggies, like that's all the time food, eat that whenever yeah. you want. Like there, you should never have to worry about like, sh- can I eat this apple or should I wait? Like eat the freaking apple. I don't care. Yeah. Just like eat it. Like there are all the time foods that just eat them all the time. And then there's the sometimes foods where like cookies and brownies mm-hmm. and, you know, alcohol and things like that. Like You could have them, but they're just the sometimes thing. They're not the all the time Mm -hmm. thing. So stop looking like, I don't like when people categorize as food as good or bad, like these are Mm -hmm. good and this is bad. Well, nothing's, nothing is like, yeah, there's stuff that's good, but I don't think there's anything that's necessarily bad. It's just, you know, is it a sometimes food? And if it's, if you're classifying it as a sometimes food, then perfectly good. You're good. And you have
1: to, you have to look at it too. Like, how will this fuel me? And how will I feel?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And will my body thank me in the future? Cause if I yeah. eat this, I'm going to have diarrhea. Like, no, like I, I don't want that. So I'm no definitely, I'm, yeah, I'm saying no to that. So it's like, what will my future self think before? Or what will Kel, what will my wife Kelly think before? Cause there are certain things that she don't want me eating because of, uh, I'll be burning a lot of candles in the house. <laughs> All right, Julie. Well, thank you so much for uh, answering those questions for me and having some fun with those. Um, we're going to finish it off with, um, I know you're, you're running kind of a special program this year calling, uh, that you, um, that's called feeling or feeling not the G on it. feeling. (laughs) Yeah. I had a little fun with it. Yeah. So 2022. So tell me a little bit about what Feelin' 2022 is. I know under the um, title of it, it's a dream, goal, vision, and manifestation event. And you've done a couple already um, mm-hmm. to start 2022 off. And I know there might be some ones in the future as well. So I would love for people to kind of hear about what this event is, just in case one pops up on the schedule in March or April, um, that they might be really excited to jump in and attend this event.
1: Yeah, so back to the name of it, Feeling 22, I have to just say that um, Taylor Swift's lyrics were like ringing in my ears at the (laughs) beginning. So I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. So I'm like, okay, I need to like put this to use somehow. And so that what became the title of this Event and it is um, a live virtual workshop that focus on focuses on and supports goals and dreams and visions and how we can totally manifest them. And the workshop includes like a like hands on work together. It includes a meditation, um, learning opportunities, a really fun uh, guided visualization, and specific tools. And I really really love leading this event since everyone, including me walks away feeling like completely ready and energized to go after goals. Um, So yeah, I am excited about um, the ones coming up and um, just thinking back on one I recently hosted, it was just so fun and um, it just really gives people an opportunity to look at what they want to go after and how Mm -hmm. we can make it work.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. Um, The beginning of the year, kind of like goal setting manifestation, vision boards, Mm -hmm. dreaming, right? Like just like having not being afraid to dream big, like something that is, you know, they call those like those big, hairy, audacious goals, like something completely crazy, but there's nothing wrong with like wanting to dream big. And I think that just allows you to work backwards from that big dream of how could I get to that point? And I think it's just so important because if we go into every year, not having any sort of expectations or goals or visions, it's really easy for a year just to blow past us. Um, like, I still can't believe it's already 2022 when COVID started in 2020, like it's amazing right. how fast time goes. And so I love this and, you know, and, and, I think it's really important for people to just sit down in their own thoughts, but also do it in a group setting with this event, because anything in a group is usually more fun and you get more yeah. out of it. And you, you, you feel the energy from other people and you get inspired by other people that it just really kind of helps ignite you and get you going. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really excited for um, potential future events of this and hopping in myself and just being a part of this, um, that energy. So thank you so much for sharing that. And anybody listening, I'll make sure to, um, post online and whatnot. If, uh, Julie's gonna be posting, um, or gonna be doing more of these, um, in the upcoming months. Um, so you guys could hop into that. So well, Julie, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you're a busy woman and you got things to do. You got to get this, you're still working on stuff with the book. And <laughs> I want to see those numbers go through the roof of, yeah, of selling copies. And stuff. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you so much, Julie, for just spending time with us, sharing your passion, sharing your knowledge, and just like telling your story. And I think this is, you're gonna be able to relate to a lot of people and, and, um, and hopefully, you know, um, anyone listening that, you know, wants to connect with you and stuff, they could, um, you know, now they got a little bit more of warm and fuzzy of who Julie is. And, <laughs> and, you know, I think that you're um, anybody that decides to work with you will be in really great hands. So where oh, can somebody, um, find you, uh, what's your website? If you have Instagram, Facebook, like where can somebody find, find you and kind of connect with you?
1: Yeah. So my website is lifecyclewellbeing.com wellbeing.com and, um, Instagram is Julie Underscore life cycle. And those are probably the two best ways to find out more about um, programs, about me, um, ways we can connect further. Um, but yeah, I just look forward to um, serving anybody who comes my way and helping them along their well being journey. So thank you so much for this opportunity and our time together. I appreciate it. Oh, you're it. so
0: welcome, Julie. Thank you so much. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate every listen that I get. With that being said, if you have any feedback or any questions you would like answered on future episodes, please use the link in the bio above to submit me a quick little voice message you could do right from your phone. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your day.